Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, Pete. Uh, let's get into it. But before we do, I just want to let you know, like, if you see me fidgeting, like, with my hands, I usually have a cup of coffee because uh, it's so early. But since I'm kind of refreshed, I don't have that, so it's going to take me a little minute to figure out exactly what I do with these. Well, if you see me fidgeting with my hand, yeah. I have ADD. Yeah, okay, there you go. So we're, we're even. <laughs> All right, so let's get it. Last night you had the Pats, the Packers, obviously. It was the uh, the matchup of the two, you know, coats. Um, what did you take away from that? Well, look, Belichick was fantastic. That That's the main takeaway. Right. If you looked at the game, Brady wasn't great, and Rodgers wasn't great. Right. But Belichick was. And, and I go back to a play – a uh, big key situation where he throws a, a pass to Edelman, and most people obviously, when you throw an outside pass to Edelman, you think he's gonna—he's behind the line, he's gonna throw down the field. He set up a screen on the opposite side. Every lineman was there. It was a big play. It led to a touchdown. So for me, and then on defense, I think they did a lot of different things. Showed Brady a bunch—I mean, showed Rodgers a bunch of different looks and complicated things, which he always does on defense. So that game was more about—I love the quarterbacks, but it was more about Belichick for me and what his staff did to win that football game. Okay. Well, let me ask you about Tom Brady and and, and the staff there in New England, right? Because they're trending, right? They're six straight, um, and they're trending in the in the AFC. Are they the class of the AFC? I mean, there's there's some teams still out there. But well, Kansas City's still out there, but yeah. they beat them. Right. Right. I'd say, yes, they are the class of the AFC. Here's what happens with, with the Patriots almost every year. Right. They start slowly. Because Belichick always has these young guys on defense, and he tries to fit in who's going to do what, who's going to be where, can he play the scheme, will they develop. And in October, they start getting better, and then in November, they get better. And then in December, they're really good, and then on into the playoffs, they're much better. So he, it's almost the same formula every year, and it's easy to do. Why do we panic every year? It's the long game. He does it every year, but why is there always such a panic about it every year? The same panic. Do you remember? You remember the game against Kansas City on a Monday night a couple of years ago where they buried Brady? Yeah, he was totally. awful. They benched him. They buried him. It was two years done. ago, the dynasty was done. It's finished. No, they went on and went to the Super Bowl. Same thing this year. Remember they started slowly, yeah. and everybody got to say relax. As long as you have Brady and Belichick. They can cure your ills. So you said Brady and Belichick, and in years past, it was like Brady, Belichick, and Gronk. Gronk was out again last night. Um, and in the two games without Gronk this season, they've won them both, and they scored a total of 69 points. Like, is there any sense that he may spread the ball around a little better without Gronk? Do they do they need Gronk? Oh, yeah. A, yeah. Oh, yeah, they need Gronk. No, this is more about what they did scheme-wise, I think. Okay. You know, they got the back involved. They they did some creative things. And they always do. They get the back involved all the time. No, Gronk, when he's healthy, is a difference maker. But is he, is he, like, what's what's the deal? Is he healthy? Can no. he stay healthy? No, he wasn't healthy last week against Buffalo. You could see it when you put the tape on. He was not sudden. He was not. He didn't separate from anybody. And he normally, when you put a linebacker on him, he'll run away from him. When you put a safety on him, it's too big for him. You didn't see any of that. Right. And so now, even the long catch he had against Buffalo was he was had guys draped all over him. He just made a great catch. So rest him, get him ready, get him right. But it's a back injury. He's had back injuries before. I don't know. In your playing career, do you yeah, have back injuries? Back injuries are no fun. Like no. you take it for granted until you have one, and then you can't do anything. Right. It so and it, it comes, it keeps coming back, and let, yeah. you let it rest and let it and let it heal. So I'm concerned about his health. I've talked to Danny about Josh Gordon, and if, from my estimation, if you could if you could figure out how to use him, it was a whole other weapon that Tom hasn't had in a long time. And yesterday he probably had his best game as a Patriot with five receptions, 130 yards, and a TD. Um, how do you see that relationship 
you know, working out so far? And, and do you think that they need that kind of deep threat game breaking to be a, a Super Bowl favorite? Absolutely. I mean, he takes the top off and right. he gives them a dimension that they didn't have. And they haven't had that dimension since Randy Moss was there. I mean, when Randy Moss was there, he used to go and, and right. Brady would hit him. Well, this group hasn't had that in a while. It, the thing about New England, and I always say this, I joke around that there's a car wash outside the facility. And any player that they pick up, for the most part, that has had issues in their past, they wash them through the car wash and the stink gets washed off, and they're all of a sudden clean again. They buy in. Yeah. I mean, Josh Gordon, you know, Brady's come out and said how smart he is and how much he knows the offense. Yeah. You never heard that in Cleveland. You heard he had off-the-field issues, right? He did have yeah, off-the-field totally. issues. So, for me, and, and he's had an off-the-field issue in New England. Remember, he, he sat out for, the court. He was late for me. Right, 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 right. He's got to get that out of him. And I think the Patriot way has a tendency to get that out of him. So, I, I'm I'm all for Josh Gordon. I hope he continues to play well. He's a great player. That's interesting, the way you could take a player, and it happens in every sport, and, and their their environment, The one, if one could be toxic, and it, and it Guy looks terrible, and you can get into a great environment with a winning culture, and the guy all of a sudden is like a is like in the NBA, like the Spurs, like you totally. go to the Spurs, totally. they, they, everything's gonna be fine, and they, and they take that guy every year who's got a, a a checkered pass, and they turn him into like an integral piece of a winning team, right? It's with weird. No problems. It's weird, and they're they're you know comparable franchises, Popovich, Belichick, mm-hmm. and they have the power in the building, and they they know how to uh, how to manufacture good winning teams by taking a culture and making you buy into it. I I love that. I I do too. I do. I think I think it's a, a very underrated thing in, in in pro sports. You know, Coughlin used to do that. I was around Coughlin for a lot of years, and I know in the Giants. Yeah. And all the players, and you'll know this from the NBA too. All the players that played for him at the time hated him. Right. <laughs> and they've come back to me in years later and he said, you know what? Looking back on it, I have the great respect for the guy and the way he treated me. I hated it at the moment, but it was good for me. I needed that. Yep. In the NBA, the same way, right? NBA, I had NBA coaches that were like that. I had Jerry Sloan, uh, Larry Brown, like guys that were really, really tough and expected a lot of you, held you accountable. And it does suck sometimes. Those are long, grueling seasons. But at the end of the day, like there really is, they helped make my career. The reason I, my discipline and, and the things that I put stock in were, were fostered from those, those guys. They made my life essentially, you know, and I, I, so I do have the same kind of feeling. Jerry Sloan, I can imagine, he, watching him as a player, he was a, a pit bull. Yeah. He would fight anybody. He was tough. He had, a hand, he had hands like meat cleavers and he would fight you. Like I saw him try to fight Greg Ostertag. Like, but. It was like a, a fatherly, like, son who's 19 and thinks he's big and bad and can challenge the dad. And the dad's like, yo, if you want to do it, we're going to do it. But we all love Jerry. And, and the one thing about Jerry, and I think good coaches in general, I don't mean to get off the track here is. No, no, we get off the track. I love getting off the track. They are. Hearing your stories. <laughs> they're tough, but they're fair, right? Like, so, yeah, you're going to buck the system because you never think you do much wrong as a player. But you really sit back and you get down to it. You figure out what that coach was trying to hold you accountable for. Nine out of ten times, you're like, I did screw that up. Like, I was I was being what he thought I was being, you know? You don't want to admit that off the bat, but good coaches have the ability to do that. You were a defensive stopper. Yeah. They, you were known for your defense. Mm-hmm. Jerry Sloan was a great defensive player. Do you give him credit for making you, helping transform you into the defensive player that you became? Uh, yes. I had to buy into playing defense earlier than that because it was the only way I could get onto the court. Um, but really kind of letting me eat as a defender just – like letting me buy into the nasty. Like Jerry helped me get my nasty. You know, those right. other guys just wanted me out there defending. Jerry helped me tap in and embrace like the nasty part of defending. And, and that's what Belichick does. Yeah, yeah. Belichick brings out the, the, the cerebral part of the player. He brings out the toughness and he brings out the discipline. Yeah. Uh, those are winning qualities in a coach for sure. Let me, let's move on to the other side of that matchup last night. We kind of talked about culture and I, I want to hear your take on the Packers because there's always been a little bit of a, uh, a, a conversation about about Aaron Rodgers and McCarthy and, and 
I'm interested because they look like they were sellers at the trade deadline. And if I'm a franchise quarterback, like that doesn't doesn't really make me feel great about where we're headed. And so talk to me about what's going on. What's next for the Packers? You know, it's weird that the Ha Ha Clinton Dix move was weird in a lot of ways. But talking to people in Green Bay, one of the things that they said was he had one foot out the door. Okay. I mean, he was leaving, and he was playing like that. And he's still a good player, but he was playing with one foot out the door. Got it. And when that happens, you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm ready. I'm out. I'm free agent. I'm getting yeah. out of here. I'm, I'm going to take care of myself, and I'm going. Yeah. So they had some young players they really liked. And I'll be honest with you, young players played pretty good last night. Okay. Uh, so I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is how all these innovative, creative offenses are out there in the NFL now. And I, I like Mike McCarthy a lot. I think he's been a really underrated coach in this league. But at times, his offense has been behind at times. They run the West Coast system. They run a lot of ISO routes. You win, you win, you win, you win. And if you don't have the great players, they're not always winning. So I think they got to get a little more with the times. And I think Rodgers' frustration comes from that. Right. He sees what they're doing with Andy Reid in Kansas City, where they move guys all around and have all these trick plays and funky formations. And the Rams, you know, in in Los Angeles with Sean sure. McVay, how he schemes guys open with the, you know, over and over again with different formations and stuff. And same in New Orleans. New Orleans, Sean Payton's the best play caller in the league, I think. He's been that for a long time. Well, he's gone out and bought a lot of the concepts from other teams, whereas Rodgers plays in an offense where it's you three over here, you one over here, you go run your ISOs and, and see if you can win. It's not a good offense for the modern day. So let's talk about the Saints and the Rams then, right? Because uh, the Saints, after getting stung by Fitz Magic, like in the first game of the season, what is it, seven straight? Um, and this was, everyone was wanted to see this one because it was supposed to be a shootout. I think they actually... The line was like seventy something for the over. Like no, it was, it was, was it sixty or something. Sixty something. They, they smashed it. Yeah. Um, what are the are they the best team in the NFL? The Saints now that they beat the Rams. Yes, right now they are. Yeah, yeah. And and here's the thing about that game. And if the playoffs go through New Orleans, they're going to be a hard out, right? Because they're a different team inside in that home. building. Yeah. I mean, they play faster. Breeze is better. Uh, you know. But that to me yesterday was one of those. Here's the new kid on the block, Sean McVay. Look at all his new toys yeah. and look what he gets to do and look how great he is and creative he is. And then you have Peyton on the other side who, by the way, talk about a, a hard ass. He is a hard ass and, right. and he has an ego and he's arrogant, and I, but I love him for it. Right. I do. And I mean, I've had my battles with the guy. We've, we, we've gone back and forth. But I think he's the best play caller in the NFL. Okay. So he sees this guy over here getting all these accolades. Well, you're coming to my building. I'm going to show you what I can do. And he was outstanding, and Breeze was outstanding. Do you think that if they had to go to L.A., their weather would affect the Saints? Like, I could see some other places, but, I mean, if you're yeah, going to— Yeah, not in that place. Right. No, and, and, and no. But Breeze is better inside for whatever Period. reason. But this is a team in the past three weeks went to Baltimore— Beat the Ravens, mm-hmm. who had a great de- were number one in the league in defense when they went there and beat them, and won it with defense. Went to Minnesota, who has a really good defense. Breeze threw for 120, and they won. And now they won this shootout with the Rams. So they've done it every way. They can yeah. do it all. They can run the ball with Ingram and Kamara. They can throw it. Their offensive line is good, and their young pass rush. I mean, Sheldon Rankin's starting to get good inside. Cam Jordan's been underrated. Getting Eli Apple helps the back end. Look, right now they're the best team in the league. Michael Thomas. 12 receptions, 211, and a cell phone uh, penalty. Best receiver in the NFL right now? Where does he rank in terms of receivers in the NFL right now? I'd still put Julio Jones number one, and he had his first touchdown on Sunday, so everybody's clapping for him. But the guys, I mean, the guys, you know, like, and I'll relate this to the NBA. Jordan's the greatest player of all time in my book. Right. But there's nobody like LeBron. In terms of what he, who he looks like and. Correct. Physically, physical, tough. Absolutely. 
Michael wasn't that, and there's nobody that's been like that. Right. So that's what Julio Jones is to the receiver. He's LeBron. Yeah, you look at him and you go, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, he's different. He's he's big. He's strong. He can run. Yep. Where, but you know, in ter- so I think he's the best. But Michael Thomas is in the conversation. I mean, the conversation is Julio, Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, Beckham, mm-hmm. AJ Green when he's right, and you know that's the, probably the top guys right there. That's awesome. So he's. But by the way, Michael Thomas with the cell phone thing, I know because. Matt Coker, the producer of this show, asked me, he goes, I bet you hated that. I bet you hated it. No, I didn't hate it. I would have hated it if it happened and it cost them parts of the game, uh, uh, maybe the game. Correct. You know, you can't hurt your team to do that. If you're up 20, pull out the cell phone, have some fun, take a fine, move on. But they were up 10 when he did it, and there was still time left on the clock. You never know. So I like the act. I think it's great to honor Joe Horn, who did it in 2003, actually go out and find a flip phone. You know, and do it, but I think you got to be careful doing that. I'm with you 100. Like you can't if you cost us a game for that. Like I, you could be the best receiver in the game. Like there, there got to be some serious penalties for that. And I got to wonder about your mental makeup as it pertains to us winning games. Right. right? Like you put yourself before the team. That's unacceptable. In that situation, it was up 10, three minutes ago. Right. You saw Peyton walk over and go. Right, they love it, but yeah, careful, yeah. Be careful, but you, you gotta be. It's just like a dumb personal foul or a taunting penalty or a, or a, um, you know, celebration penalty. Yeah. Anything that hurts no, your team, you're putting yourself like and and like your celebration ahead of what like is most important, which is the team winning games at that point. Um, before we go to break, I want to ask you because we talked about you know, Drew Brees obviously having a phenomenal year. Uh, you got Tom Brady and and they're trending in the right direction, and then you got guys like Patrick Mahomes out there. Like, who would be your front runner right now? I know it's early. Uh, for MVP uh, in the clubhouse right now. Oh, it's Mahomes. I, I don't think there's any question really? about Mahomes right now. To me, now Gurley's in the conversation. Right. Brady, Matt Ryan's having a phenomenal year. I mean, if if somehow the Falcons can get going, uh, uh, Matt Ryan is on pace to have a better year than he did when he won the MVP wow. two years ago. So I think there's a lot of guys in the race, but I think right now it's got to be Patrick Mahomes. What he's doing is unreal. I yeah. mean, this guy is putting up amazing numbers for a guy who's in his first year as a starter. How much of that is is like scheme and weapons? Right. And how much of that is the kid like just being the truth? There's like a 50 50 thing because you can't deny the fact that he's got great weapons and Andy Reid is awesome with his scheme as well. Right. And I've had, I've heard people try to take away from what Mahomes is doing because of that. I don't think that's fair for any quarterback. Um, but how, how good is the kid minus all of that stuff around? Yeah. It's, it's not fair to him to do that. I say early on, Andy Reid did a great job of scheming things for him. Right. Because it's hard for a young quarterback to get in and go through his progressions. Right? It's just not something that comes to you right away. Right. As good as he is. But now, he's starting to come, it's starting to come to him. We haven't seen the best of Patrick Mahomes yet. That's a scary. Because he, you know, in the early on, he'd go one, two, and maybe get out. Yeah. And he makes some throws with his arms outside the pocket. But now he's getting through his progressions a little better. So it's now, it's less Andy Reid. And more Patrick Mahomes. And in the reins over a little bit. Yeah, he had a couple of throws yesterday into some pretty tight windows. He also, really... he's also thrown five interceptions in the last couple of weeks. And, and I remember, well, I was there and I did a piece on him in, in May. Uh-huh. And we sat down and I talked to Andy Reid and I said, Andy, he's comparable to Brett Favre in the gunslinger mentality. I said, Brett Favre threw a ton of interceptions. He right. led, the, led all-time leader in interceptions. Sure. And Andy Reid looked at me and he said he threw a lot of touchdown passes too because he also led that guy. <laughs> right, right. I said, but how do you harness the gunslinger mentality? Because guys with that arm and that mentality want to fit it in all the time. Right. See, he hasn't been forced much to fit it in. That's yeah. what Andy Reid's done for him so far. Now, as it progresses, 
you're seeing them being forced to fit it in a little more, and there's five there's interceptions. More mistakes. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. My, so Mike, when I played for Mike D'Antoni, it was interesting. When you're dealing with young guys and mentality, right, Mike never wanted to tell a guy that it was a bad shot or that he should have passed the ball because he wanted that gunslinger's mentality. He wanted you to see every shot uh, that you thought was a good one and feel 100% confident that you were going to make that shot and no reservations about passing or anything like that. Um, so I always think that's interesting when coaches approach their, their quarterbacks, their what have you, whatever athlete they have with potential, uh, when they make a mistake, do, do you, do you allow them the freedom to kind of roll through that? Are you in their ear about it? And really it's hard. I coach. It's difficult. I watch my kids play and I'd love to say that I had, you know, all the freedom in the world for them when they make mistakes. I don't, but it, it's just an interesting thing. Anyway. Well, you know what? It's interesting you brought that up because last night Aaron Jones fumbled in the game for the Packers. They were going in to take the lead. And yeah. Fumbled on the 20 yard line. And when they came back out in the next series, he wasn't the running back in there. It was Jamal Williams. So Mike McCarthy clearly tried to send the message for that. I'm a, I'm That's a big tough. believer in you can't play tight. No, you like, can't. And, and you know this when you play basketball, if you took a bad shot, you don't want to, Get yanked and look over your if shoulder. You're, if you're doing that, you can't play. You can't play. You cannot play. No, yeah. not at all. Same uh, in football. There you go. All right, well, let's go to break real quick. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk a little more football. We have the Falcons. We talked about uh, Matt Ryan. The Chiefs and the Browns played yesterday. A little Baker update. Um, and what's going on with the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell? All that up next uh, on Off the Bench with Canelo Bell. We're talking a little like uh Dade and Broward like hoops, basketball. Back yeah, in the day. Hoops history, man. Let's scrap the B segment. No. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we teased it. Let's get to Atlanta. Like, the Falcons beat the Redskins 38-14. You talked about Matty Ryan, the year he's having. Julio Jones finally it's like I for one of the things in football that I just cannot figure out for the life of me is how a dude can be that good and just not be able to get into the end zone. Um but anyway, and, and by the way, kind of funny how he got into the end zone. It was a quick th- screen. He got a screen pass. Yeah. yeah, he went thirty yards on the ground. It wasn't like he went down the field and they hit him for his touchdown. Lana, for real, offensively for real. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, and it's, it's funny looking back on this because a year ago everybody's talking about Steve Sarkeesian in over his head. He yeah. can't call plays in the NFL. I said, hold on here. It's football. He's a smart guy. Right. He'll figure it out. And Matt Ryan in his second year with his offensive coordinator. You know, every time he's had a second year, same with Dirk Cutter when he was there, had yeah. a good year. Same when Kyle Shanahan was there in the second year, had a good year. And now in the second year, he's been phenomenal. I and mean, he's been throwing the football as well as he's ever thrown it. And their offense is great. Defensively, they're getting better. Now, they were banged up, right? Like it was Big a health time. issue. Big time. They right. lost a middle linebacker yeah. who's going to come back. They lost their two safeties. So in the middle of the field, you got all, you know, and that's a big strength and, and you have to be able to run and cover and they couldn't do it. Right. But now they're getting back healthier there. Grady Jarrett missed time. He's back. They're getting Deion Jones back. They can rush the passer. So yeah, they're getting healthier and better and they got a favorable schedule in the next couple of weeks. Well, they, be- they better. I mean, they're playing the NFC South. Like you got, I mean, the pan, the Panthers are, are rolling. You got the Saints rolling. Like how, how difficult though, even if they're playing well, how, how tough of a it's task tough. is it? It's tough. They're, I don't think they're going to win a division. They got to hope like heck that they can get to a wild card. And right. if they get in, they'll be dangerous. The, the next two weeks schedule, I think it's, uh, Cleveland this week. They should win. And then I think they have a winnable game after that. Yeah, at Cleveland, they've got Dallas, Dallas at home. Then they got the big one to be at New Orleans. Those places are, right? You see Baltimore, uh, at Green Bay is a tough game, but look, Arizona, Carolina, and Tampa Bay. So they got New Orleans and Carolina on the road, but they got them in front of them. Yeah. So you can, your you can take care of it in your, yeah, your hands. Take care so of your business. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So let's talk about the Chiefs and the Browns. Um, I would, you know, we talked about the young fella coming out, but talk to me. I want to talk about Baker Mayfield a little bit because they've had that transition there. Uh, they got rid of Hugh Jackson, um, and Todd Haley. And Todd Haley. Yeah. Um, how much of this is about them getting Baker? 
comfortable uh, and kind of taking him back more to what he did when he was at Oklahoma. And did they achieve that yesterday? Did you see any change in terms of offensively putting Baker in more familiar situations uh, when they played the Chiefs yesterday? It was hard yesterday because their offensive line wasn't good and the okay. left tackle didn't play, and he's a rookie who hasn't played well anyways. So um, it was hard, but that's why they did it. You had a head coach and a coordinator who really don't get along, despite what they might say. Right. So he's getting pulled in every different direction. And what they did is they got rid of both of them, and they hired the quarterback's coach, Freddie Kitchens, to be the offensive coordinator. He comes from the Bruce Arians school of offense, so he wants to run the ball and take shots down the field. That's fine, but he probably has spent a lot of time with Mayfield, so they're comfortable together, and you can build around him and do that. Greg Williams... And Todd Haley would not have coexisted. The egos are too great in there. So if one got the head coaching job, the other one had to go. Right. So Greg Williams got it, and they got rid of Todd Haley. Um, did Baker look better to you yesterday? I mean, he went 29 for 42, 297. Yeah. I mean, he's looked good at times. I think this is all about next year. Right. Whatever you get is gravy from him this year. He's a first-time starter. and But, yeah, he did look better yesterday. Um what was I going to say to you? Well, let's let, forget it. Let's talk about the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell. You guys, you know I don't drive on the regular, right? So I'm, bear with me. We got the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell, and this one is really fascinating to me because you I like was. You drive, by the way? I, I, yeah, you know, he likes turtlenecks, he likes to drive, he's really, <laughs> he's really sensitive about his stuff. Um, so we had the Steelers and the Le'Veon Bell situation. Obviously they beat the Ravens, but I don't, for me that's not the huge story here. Like, I, I think they look, Better than I thought they would offensively without Le'Veon Bell. But as it pertains to Le'Veon Bell, I was a Le'Veon Bell supporter early on in this. I think he has like really misplayed his hand in this thing. Like I, I think that he is not worth nearly what he thinks he's going to be worth on the market. And the fact that James Conner is out there doing what he's doing, and yet people are going to tell me that uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell came back his first eight games last year and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't up to speed. I, I don't hear any of that. This kid is is doing what Le'Veon Bell does in that offense. He's even catching the ball out of the backfield like Le'Veon Bell does. I think he's misplayed his hand. I think they don't even want him back at this point. I wouldn't want him back. I would not want him back. Yeah. And he has, you can imagine leaving $8 million on the table. First of all, that's absurd. That's ridiculous. $8 million. You, you only have so many earning years and earning games in your body and you're leaving $8 million on the table. Yeah. That's just stupidity. And not only that, when he does come back, if he does come back, he should come back because he's got to get it in a crude season for free agency. But if he comes back, they can put him on the exempt list for two weeks and not pay him. He so ha- he's going to cost himself, now it's going to get to almost $10 million. How So how good is uh, James Conner? I think James Conner's fantastic. Yeah. And, and look, he's proof of my theory on running backs. You find them anywhere. Right. And they're, they're all replace, they're all replaceable. I mean, think about it. Yep. They're all replaceable. You can't replace your quarterback. You can't replace your pass rush. You can't play, replace your corner. You can't replace your left tackle. You can replace your running back. James Conner is every bit as good right now as Le'Veon Bell is. And so he's a lot cheaper. So why would you want Bell back? I hear you. So look, let's go through the stats. So this is the first eight games for Le'Veon Bell 2017 versus James Conner, James Conner 2018. So Le'Veon Bell was um, 95 rushing yards a game. Um, James Conner is 88.3. Le'Veon Bell had five TDs. James Conner has nine. Um, receptions per game, 4.3 for Bell, 4.8 for Conner. Receiving yards, uh, Bell 27, Conner 47. I mean, all of these stats speak to what you're talking about there. Here's my question, uh, another one about the Steelers, because they typically live in this world of like semi-dysfunction, right? Like there's always a question about Mike Tomlin and the way he's running things, and you got Antonio, you know, Brown, and he's losing his stuff, and then there's always a little big they seem to be in a real happy place right now. So, like, what happens when Le'Veon Bell comes back? Do you just ask him to stay away? I don't think you want to introduce any kind of turmoil or any possible um, distraction into what they got going on right now because it seems 
things seem to be in the best place they've been for them in terms of locker room in a while. And remember, this was a group of guys that came out against him. Right. His own offensive lineman turned against him. Now, I always used to say that you could get uh, a criminal out of jail on on thir- Friday, and if he could help your team on Sunday, nobody will care. <laughs> Teammates, embrace him. Yeah. Come to me. <laughs> Let me win, and then go back to yourself. Yeah. They don't care. Right. But for the most part, I think this is going to be an interesting dynamic because the Steelers can take the tag off they wanted to. So walk me through that because now you got you have uh they can rescind it. Yeah, but so then what is he? He's, He's a just free agent right now. Right. Somebody wants to go get him, they can I'd, get him. I'd rescind that. Why would like why? Well, because what? here's why. Yeah. If they don't rescind it and he leaves via free agency, they get a third round pick back for him. Oh, uh, okay. So, I so mean, you they get got that going. Yeah, I so, got they, so but here's what they got to ask themselves. Is the risk of Connor getting hurt because you got to factor that in. Yeah. And the fact you got to pay him probably six million, or what is it, five million, six million dollars the rest of the way, and the distraction to the team worth that third round pick. Yeah, you might get back on him. Yeah. Well, I think I need an insurance though. You, if you if you're if you think you're that good a team, you want yeah, you I want the insurance. But how do you play it when he gets playing? Because okay, let's say for example he comes in on Tuesday. Because if he doesn't come in on Tuesday, he's not playing the rest of the year. Right. So if he comes in on Tuesday, do you sit him for two weeks on the exempt list and not pay him? Yes. Kind of stick him yes. back like he stuck you. Correct. And then, what do you do? Do you take carries away from Connor? Because it used to be Bell could be the wide receiver, could do the receiving stuff that yeah. Connor can't do, but Connor's proven Connor's he can do it. Correct. Too. Um, so Mike Tomlin comes out and he says, like, we want, we want, what do you say? We want uh, volunteers, not hostages. Yeah. This goes all the way up the food chain now. So I would imagine, yeah, you're going to stick it to him and you're going to put him on the exempt list for the two games, right? And, and dock him more pay. And when he comes back, you have a decision to make. Um, and sometimes it's hard, like when you're in a front office or you're a coach, like, because you, you have, a personal agenda and the way you feel that someone, you know, has possibly done you personally. And then you have the responsibility to your team to make the team the best product that it can be. And while, yeah, you could make the case that James Conner has done everything, uh, Le'Veon Bell has done. I think having Le'Veon Bell reintegrated to some degree into that offense is probably the best solution to that. I, so I do think you take some carries away from James Conner, but I don't believe that you just plug Le'Veon Bell back in and tell James Conner, hey, you're the backup now. I, Le'Veon Bell's my backup. And, and, and here's the thing about James Conner too, Roger. James Conner has been a great story. I mean, he, I overcame cancer. Right, 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 right. And then you have Bell, who the team stuck with through all his suspensions and drug suspensions and everything else. They stuck with him. One thing about the Steelers, you can criticize them for a lot of dysfunctional things and everything. They're loyal almost yeah. to a fault. Remember, they've had three coaches in 50 years. Right, right, right. So I think he's making a major mistake here. And if he thinks his value is going up because of he's what wrong. he's doing, he's wrong. I'm with you on that 100%. Um, let's move over to the Jets. Uh, they played the Dolphins. Ugly game. Like I was, unfortunately, I had to watch. I was at a birthday party. Uh, but Sam Darnold, 21 for 39, 229 yards. He had four picks yesterday. The last time a Jets QB had four picks was Ryan Fitzpatrick, week three of the 2016 season. My concern was some of the rookie quarterbacks, and you talked about Baker Mayfield and it being in front of him, and whatever you got from this year would be gravy. I thought that learning on the job was a good thing. I, I also thought at times that if you had a proven vet in front of you, that sitting and watching could be a good thing. The only concern I had about rolling a guy out there right away was if this was going to be his week-to-week, because I do think that you can kind of crush someone's spirit. Now, I haven't watched the Jets with that discerning an eye, but I worry about a guy when he starts throwing four picks and, and your number of picks is up there, whether it starts to creep into your psyche or not. See, I, I'm a big believer in playing the guy right away. Yeah. If you're going to draft a guy in the top ten picks, 
you got to play him right away. And I've and I've talked to a lot of quarterbacks about that. In fact, Matt Ryan told me he said, "Look, I wouldn't have been what I was if I didn't play right away." Right. And then there's the other theory: well, you sit and you learn. And everybody always points to David Carr in with the Texans. Right. First overall pick, he went to the Texans, and he got abused and beat up and shell shock. But you know what? I, you later hear that he wasn't at the facility all the time. Right, right, right. Work. So I'm, I think if you draft a guy first overall, second, third, whatever, in top ten, and you play him right away, and his psyche is broken because you played him right away, then you drafted the wrong guy anyway. Ag- agreed. He's probably not the guy for the job. So, But I... I is he the guy for the job long, long term? Darnold is. Darnold guy? I, I, I wasn't, he wasn't my number one guy coming out, right. but I think this is the case for all these young quarterbacks right here. Him, Darnold, Allen when he was playing in Buffalo, right. uh, Mayfield, and Rosen. They're playing with bad offensive teammates. The offensive lines on all those teams are suspect at best, and, and their skill people aren't what they are in other spots. So they're gonna struggle. You just gotta take it as growing pains, and if the guy is broken, because of what happens on the field, I'm with you. And you drafted the wrong guy. He wasn't the guy anyway. So let me ask you about the Dolphins. We got a little time in this segment because they're a mess. And last week, for the first time, I heard Adam Gase get really, really like testy with the reporter as it pertained to the to the uh, to the Ryan Tannehill situation. He's been injured, and they were questioning how he was performing prior to the injury. Talk to me about their quarterback situation, and should they have been drafting quarterbacks? Even if you thought Ryan was, you know, the guy, should you have been drafting? Like to at least push him in the competition for the last few years, or are you a Ryan guy? No, I think Gase is a Ryan guy. Yeah. I know Gase pretty well, and Gase is a Ryan guy, and he believes that he can win with him. So if you believe you can win with him, you stick with him. I know he got testy with Armando Seguero. That was fun to yeah, watch, yeah. and, I, and I've, I know both guys pretty well, and I can, I know, I've seen both of them get testy <laughs> at times, and that happens. But he's, uh, you know, to a fault, he's stubborn t- sometimes, Gase. But yeah. I like that about him, and you know what? He said, my defense is going to end up playing better by the end of the season. Well, they play better against the Jets. And, and if they do, they're 5-4 and four right now. Right. Uh, they're a potential playoff team. Now, that, that, they're going to go to Green Bay next week and, and play a wounded warrior that's coming off two road losses. That's not a good situation. But they're playing good football for what for what that team is on paper. Gase has them at 5-4. and four. At 5-4, and four, missing your starting quarterback for a few games. Right. you got to be happy with that. Of course. All right, let's go to break. Next, uh, Coming up next, we'll talk a little basketball. we got Luke Yay. Walden and Johnson. Yes. All right, that's next on Off the Bench with Canelo and Bell. Uh, you know, they hit, they got in a rhythm and it made it tough to stop after that. I, I was proud of our guys for continuing to fight. Uh, not that it matters, um, but you know, they competed throughout the whole game that, you know, out, outscored it the second, third and fourth, but that deficit that, that we built in the first was just too much to overcome. Yeah, I, so this is getting messy. This is what I, I, I feared this, not just for the Lakers, but for LeBron. Um, Reports came out, and Woj reported Friday, that in a meeting last Tuesday, it was following their winless two-game trip, uh, that Luke Walton and Magic Johnson kind of got into it uh, about Luke's coaching style. Um, LeBron came out and says it doesn't bother me at all. It has to bother him there in L.A. This is not the type of stuff that you wanted to see happen this early in the season if you're LeBron and you just went to the Lakers. Yeah, but a couple things. Let's start with Magic. Um, really, Magic? <laughs> that quick? Right. What do you think this is? Paul Westhead all over right, again? Right, right. Well, there's coach? track record there, right? Right. He right. got he got Paul Westhead fired when he was a rookie. Yeah, uh, and it ended up being a great decision. Now you got Pat Riley in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Westhead, you know, you you think Magic? If you were Magic, you would have liked playing for Paul Westhead because remember he just it was roll the balls up, out, and down. up and down. Yeah, he wanted the ball. Magic wanted the ball in his hand. Though. Yeah, like, I know. He probably didn't want it in everybody else's hand. Right. He wanted you know. it in his hand. Um, I, I'm with you on the really Magic thing, just because. 
your team is playing hard. I've watched them play. Now, their games are late, and admittedly, I ain't, I ain't up till 12.30 watching basketball every night. But I've watched some of it, and there is an effort level that's being given there. And so if I'm if I'm going to grade Luke, I, I'm giving him, I don't know, a, a third of the season to get guys to do what I want them to do in terms of executing you know, defensively the game plan, executing offensively, really understanding the ins and outs of the way we want to play. So what I'm looking for now, before I can make that assessment and judgment, is whether or not I've got guys buying in and playing hard every night. Whether our tempo, we want to be a fast team, we want to get up and down, are my guys buying into that? Are they doing it? Or are they jogging? Um, they're doing the things that Luke wants them to do in terms of effort. They're playing hard, they're scrapping, they're clawing. You haven't seen them quit or spirits really get down in a game. And so if I'm if I'm magic, like that's what I can judge Luke on right now. I ha- he hasn't had enough time with the nucleus, that being LeBron, Rondo, JaVale McGee. Like all these guys are logging heavy minutes to really, really make a, a, a judgment on whether Luke um, is doing a good good enough job or not, which begs the question for me whether or not like he ever bought into Luke. Like he was handed Luke. He got the job and Luke was already in place. That was a hire by the bus family. So I'm wondering whether Magic ever bought into Luke. No, he probably has in his mind he has somebody he wants to yeah. be head coach. Here's what's disturbing to me about the Lakers, okay? He had that meeting last week. Then they go to Portland and win yeah. and play well. Then what happens? There's something missing. If you beat Portland at Portland and come home and get blown out in the first quarter against Toronto. Yeah. So this is even after LeBron, I mean, after Magic's meeting with Walton. So if I'm Magic now, if I see what happened Sunday night, I'm a little even more upset about it. There are a couple things. And this, some of this hangs, like, some of this has to be on Magic, right? And Rob Palenka, because they're the ones that makes the team. Like, Luke, Luke doesn't go out and shop free agents. He coaches what you give him. Um, you are one of the worst teams defensively in the NBA. Now, you can attribute some of that to the pace that you want to play. If you're going to be a fast-paced team, we were with the Suns, you're going to get up and down, you're going to give up some stuff. So it's going to affect your numbers defensively. They're not a very good shooting team either. They're like 20th in the NBA in threes made. And when you've got guys like LeBron and Brandon Ingram um, and, and Rondo to some degree that likes to run pick and roll, uh, you have to supplement with really good shooters. Um, not to mention that the NBA in general is just trending, and if you're not going to be able to make threes, you can't keep up. So you're a bad defensive team, which means you can't stop the three. You can't shoot the threes, which means you can't catch up. So they're kind of stuck in this no-man's land of not being able to produce enough uh, to win games, and that is not on Luke Walton. That is on Magic and Rob Palenka. Yeah, and isn't this year the 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 kind of the bridge year to next year? Did, what are they expecting for this year? Were they expecting LeBron to come in there with a bunch of young guys and and some veterans that are you know kind of at the end of their careers and get into the playoffs and be a, a three seed and make some noise? No. Yeah. Yes, they did. Yes, no. I do. I do. I think you and I might not have expected that, but I think Magic. Um, Probably expected them, maybe not a third seed in the West. That's probably too high because you're dealing with like Golden State. Right, so rank them in Houston. the West. Where where are they? And going into the season, where were they? I thought that they could be a six seed in the West, but I I thought they could be a six and potentially win a playoff uh, matchup by that time. I thought they would have things figured out. And so, like when you saw the way they started, there had to be con- some concern from Magic side. But again, dude, you gotta have some patience and foresight because I'm with you. This isn't about necessarily this year. While I would like to win this year, and I think that we have the type of pieces that could win this year. This is all about next year, get, figuring out which one of these young guys or how many of these young guys are going to fit in our long-term plans, and then pairing LeBron with whoever it is this offseason that's going to give him a chance to be the number one. Losing like they did to Toronto without Kawhi Leonard is awful. It's a bad loss. And, and then they don't have any physical players aside from LeBron. Look at them. They're all they're all skinny beanpoles. Yeah, right? they're babies. 
Right. They're all, they're, there's nobody, even McGee, who's a pretty good rim protector at time, he's not a big guy. There's no physicality to that team. And so that's the third part of the equation, right? So you're not a great three-point shooting team. You're a very bad defensive team. And some of that physicality speaks to being able to defend. Uh, but on top of that, you don't rebound very well. Right. Like you, you, you hear that? Yeah. Like you're, you're relying on like JaVale McGee, who, who's a good rebounder, but then your next best rebounder is potentially LeBron James. And you're talking about a guy who's in his 16th season. He played all 82 games last year, which was like f- fantastic. He goes, he's been to four straight finals. So you're wearing a guy out who needs to be like played less than more. You're asking him to do even more in LA. I, I don't think it's fair. And I think again, like the responsibility for that is not on Luke Walton. That's on. Magic Johnson. Are they the third best team in California right now? Sacramento's playing pretty good basketball. Yeah, I mean, Sacramento was six and one. They got beat last night, right? Yeah. They lost, um, yeah, I mean, right now, yes. And that, and that's gotta be concerning for Magic. Like, yeah, of course. Hard to be patient when you're looking up. Yeah, Golden State way up here, you're supposed to be the next and then Sacramento. Yeah, and now, and, I mean, the Clippers aren't bad either, are they? Like, they, they they're, yeah, they're not, they're, yeah, they're not very good. All right, anyway, all right, that's enough basketball. They give me one little basketball. Oh, I like, I love the like, NBA. I could keep talking all day, but we gotta get to Hannah, um, and she's got great headlines for us today. So these are headlines in a hurry with Hannah. Raja, thank you for that. I promise you I'll get to a little bit more basketball for you. So this is how this is going to work. I'm going to run through some of the big questions of the day so far. Then you guys are going to give me some good, solid, and quick answers. You ready for it? Yep. Yep. All right, we're through nine weeks of the NFL season, and Phillip Rivers has 19 touchdowns, only three interceptions. The Chargers have won five straight games, and he's been doing it without his number one tight end, Hunter Henry. Could Phillip Rivers be a dark horse to win MVP? Absolutely. No question about it. Phillip Rivers, the most underrated quarterback in the National Football. Well, the answer is yes, so I'm with you and Pete. Uh, but I think Patrick Mahomes wins it at the end of the day because I think they're going to keep I rolling. I agree. All right, the Chicago Bears are 5-3 and three right now. They just defeated my Buffalo Bills 41-9. to nine. I don't really want to talk about it. Do the Bears win the NFC North? <laughs> no. I think the Vikings do. Yeah, I hate to say that because my like Danny Cannell loves Kirk Cousins. He's got this like man he does. On Kirk Cousins. He I, does. And un- he's average as average comes. Yeah, but but I'm gonna go with you. I think I think the Vikings figured out the defense is is pretty good. I think they keep getting better. The Broncos are playing some terrible fo- football after settling for a game winning kick that was missed in a loss to the Texans. Do you see Vance Joseph back after bye? After the bye, I think he's back after the bye. I don't think he's back in 2019. I, I thought it was a terrible decision at the end of the game to not try and get more yards when he got a completion and settle for a 51-yard field goal. I think that kind of criticism will hurt him in the long run. No way he's coming back next year. All right, well, I'm going to fade you just because that's what I do with my, my co-host. So I'm going to say, yes, he's gone, and he will not coach for the bye. I have no reason to say that other than that. <laughs> you just want to be contrarian. <laughs> All right, here you go, Raja. The Milwaukee Bucks are second yeah. in the East right now. They're 8-1. and one. Are the Bucks going to win the East? The answer is no, although they will be in the, they'll be in the discussion, but I think Toronto is playing really, really well, and I don't see that slowing down. They got one of the deepest teams in the NBA, and Kawhi's a boss. Um, and I think the, I think at the end of the day, the Celtics are going to be really, really good too. So they'll be at the top of the East, but I don't think they'll win. So who wins it? I think, I think the Toronto Raptors win it regular season, but I could see the Celtics. <laughs> we know what them. they do in the post. Yeah, correct. I see the Celtics yeah. coming out. I think the Celtics will win the East. Yeah. Jimmy Butler sat out for the Timberwolves game last night against the Trailblazers, where they lost by 30. Now, Butler has missed three out of their past 10 games. When do the Wolves finally move on from Jimmy Butler? 
I don't have the answer to that. If it were me, it, it couldn't be soon enough. I think he's another one that I sided with him early in this, kind of like Le'Veon Bell. But the more, the, the deeper this goes and the more info I get about the way he's acting there, I think he's hurting his stock. I think you're going to get less and less for him. So if I'm Minnesota, I want to trade him now because he looks less appealing to other teams the further this goes and the more he acts like a baby. Kind why of is he, why is he sitting, why are they sitting him out? What's the point he, of that? They're not sitting him out. He's saying that I will dictate when I don't play on back to backs. You're playing. I'm, you're playing or you're, 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 you're not getting your salary. This is not looking good for Jimmy oh, Butler. They, 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 they're kind of being nice to him because they want to trade. Correct. Yeah. Dumb. All right, lastly, guys, Floyd Mayweather is back in the ring on December 31st in Japan. He will fight unbeaten 20-year-old kickboxer Tenshin Nasakawa. Are you guys at all excited about this fight? No. Floyd, stop. Please. <laughs> He's turning into a, a sideshow. Yeah, you are now. Stop. And I'm a Floyd fan, but please stop. Stop. Wait, next up, sumo wrestling. What are you, kickboxing? What are right. we talking about? He took a picture. He had like one. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Yeah, it's just, it makes no, but you know what though? Uh, keeps cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. <laughs> so maybe, maybe everybody who watches it is the, the people yeah, that should stop. <laughs> Next up, sumo wrestling. That was so good. Thank you guys. All right. So coming up after the break, Raja and Pete break down tonight's Monday night football matchup. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. You're watching Off the Bench. All right, let's get to these leftovers. Let's talk some Monday night football. You got the Titans at the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys are what? Minus four and a half. Um, they just got Dak a, a weapon in Amari Cooper from the Raiders. Try to make an assessment on whether Dak's the guy. You got Marcus Mariota. Um, what is he this year? Is he not very good? One in four as a starter. Not very good. Are, what do you see happening in the game tonight? Um, is Amari Cooper enough to make a decision on Dak? And are Dak and Mariota the quarterbacks to go forward with in their respective franchises? I'll say that they both better pick up their play a little bit. Okay. I mean, the Cowboys have a major financial decision to make on Dak Prescott, and and they have to make it soon. So the next part of the season is going to decide whether that going forward he's the guy. What, I think they almost damned if they do, damned if they don't. Right. What type of money would you would, is Dak? Like, what's the decision? Like, what are we uh, talking about? We can't give him, you know, the... Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, Are they giving Jimmy Garoppolo like, money? They could. Jimmy Garoppolo got the money without doing much. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, here's the thing. If you don't have him, you go back into the pool, and the pool has got not a lot in it. Correct. I mean, the college game, the, you talk, talk about the top quarterbacks. The kid Herbert at Oregon is the top quarterback. They're not going to have a shot to get him. Right. He's not going to come out anyways. Then where do you go? Everybody's trying to prop up this Daniel Jones at Duke. He's okay. Where? Then where? No, but to your point, to your point, like you're you're hopping in and you're you're basically hoping that something's better than what you so want. So they almost have to, but yeah. you can't be stupid and give him give him uh, you know Aaron Rodgers money. That Correct. You can't do. Do you think we see a better version of Amari Cooper? Um, you know, he's had a kind of like backslid a little bit in terms of performance since since those early years. Do you think we see a better version of him with the Cowboys? I think, you think that's another heavier. cultural thing. I think he's heavier. Really. Yeah, he doesn't look as quick to okay. me. Just you go back and look at his 2016, 2018, yeah. the difference. And sometimes the guy puts on weight, whether it's muscle weight or whatever, he's not as quick as he used to be. That's a problem. He drops a lot of passes. Yeah. But I think he's better than what they have. And, and they went into the thing thinking, okay, let's look at the 2018 draft. Are we going to get a big play wide receiver in the draft? Or can we just better off get a 24-year-old who's been in the league? And they decided to go get the 24-year-old. He's another South Florida kid. Like South Florida kids, we were talking South Florida basketball. Um, but South Florida football, like they're scattered all over the place. So my sons, they got Pop Warner. Like my oldest son has a Pop Warner regional game against the Miami team. He doesn't know. We've been talking a lot about the Dade Broward thing. He didn't know anything about Dade Broward. Like, but I grew up in Dade. You're a Broward guy. That's a real thing. 
they play a Dade team from Tecosi down in down in like you know Liberty City. They play them this weekend at Tropical Park. It's going to be fantastic. Um, the amount of kids that come out of South Florida, it's it's really unreal. But why why don't here's a question, and this is completely off the road. Why don't we have the same type of basketball kids as we do football kids? Explain that to me. Like why don't we have the same amount of pure talent in terms of because racing? Football's king. So the and it's you know this. It's hard to play both. I did, but it's hard to play both. It is. It's the seasons overlap. Yeah. And the basketball coach hates the football coach. He's playing. He's not. He's playing. Why isn't he here? That kind of thing. So I think that's tough. But you look at – I used to say that if you – Palm. It, now it used to be – now it's up to the Palm Beach line and down. Right. If you could put a wall from Palm Beach County down and keep all the good – as many good football players as you can, you'd be Alabama. Right, 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 right. Because that's how good they are. No doubt. Um, I don't know why there's not as many more basketball players. So I'm having this conversation right now because my son plays both, right? And and just because I don't have anything else to talk about, we'll talk about this. What's he prefer? Uh, he, I don't know. He's he's decent at both, right? He's still young. He's an 11-year-old. But, you know, the question is, like, I find it hard now because when I do bring him back to my travel season and he's playing football right now, there is a level of rust that I have to knock off of him. So I have to keep him kind of training in both sports. It becomes exponentially harder when he gets older and you've got commitments to like your high school program and your basketball program. But you, and, and the so. coaches don't want you to play more than one anymore. Not anymore, no. And that's, I think that cheats a kid. I think a kid should play more than one as he's growing up. Because nine times out of ten, that's the end of the road for him. Correct. You know, th- these parents nowadays, oh, my kid's going to go here. And no, he's not. I played every sport. My dad was a PE coach before we moved up here, and so I played every sport. And I really felt like the exposure in different sports to different movements, uh, different hand-eye type of things became integral for my success uh, in other sports. And so any parent in any of my programs that ask me what they should do for their kid in terms of training and helping them get better, I'm like, like do less with the sport that you're asking me about. Like, don't send him to a trainer for basketball five days a week. Like, let him do that once a week. And then in- introduce him to another sport so he can well, play something else. So these kids nowadays, can't they go sit in the gym and shoot themselves? They don't have that anymore. Well, go outside they, and shoot. They don't do that anymore either. It's incredible. It's, it's, do you usually go to park and play pickup? Of course. There are no pickup games at any park. No? No, no pickup baseball no. anywhere. I drive by fields. Nobody ever We plays. used to do that too. Yeah. You pick, you pick, you pick, you pick. Now you go play. Right. Even if you had seven guys on each team, you played. You played, yeah. And they don't do any of that anymore, which is super frustrating. So you almost have to get a kid out there and do it. But, you know, my concern for my son is someone's going to make him have to pick early. Um, and, and he's going to pick football. Cause I no, really, make him pick basketball. I know his mom hates football, but he's, he's pretty decent. You, you, be, you learn a lot from football though. It's good to keep playing. Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's teammates. Some, Those are your teammates yeah. forever. More so. Um, you played football, right? So what do you think happens tonight? Titans, Cowboys, Cowboys, Most game, Cowboys win. Cowboys Close win. game, though. Close game. Close, like the Titans. All right. Well, I hope you're wrong because I fade all of my co-hosts. It's not personal. <laughs> I just do that to Danny, so I'm going to do it to you today. Um, we'll see you guys again. That, that's it for Off the Bench with Janelle and Bell at 10 or 11.